This is Shaka Wart Speak. So you're just rolling. I'm just rolling. <laughs> What's that <laughs> Tina Turner song? Rolling on the river. Left a good job in the city. Um, rolling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those videos. Rolling. I showed. I showed my kids. Rolling. I showed my kids that. Uh, I was like, you need to know who Tina Turner is. It was like, I was like, you have to see Tina dance. Like the kids were blown away. They're like, whoa. And so then we were all doing Tina Turner dances in my house. Oh, yeah. Um, Got to get those lampshade dresses. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're talking about space today. Have we started? Yeah, we're talking. That was it. That was we're it. Tina Turner. So yeah, Tina man, Turner opened yeah. us up. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't even get to see my dance. Yeah. Well, it looked like a T-Rex. <laughs> His arms were all short. Um, <laughs> tails getting in the way. Wait, wait. Were, were we... Were you looking at the same dance that I was Gareth doing? Gareth looked like Barney doing <laughs> Tina Turner, the purple dinosaur. Oh, um, man, that's just terrible. Kidding. <laughs> just kidding. He did not. Um, I just thought that would be a great mental picture. <laughs> yeah, y'all are welcome. Yeah, thank you. That's free. Visual artist, <laughs> do what you will with that. Make paintings of Gareth as a uh, purple dinosaur, oh, and we'll gosh. do an auction. We'll do an auction. It'll be great. Uh, so, yeah, so you're, you're here because you know. If you're new to us, welcome. This is Shaco Art Speak, where we... Oftentimes dig Dude. into um, issues, and you know if you if you have been listening, there's episodes where it's pretty lighthearted. You know, yeah. they're short, kind of punchy, and then there's there's episodes that are uh, you know multi part where we really press into um, deeper issues or you know things that sometimes aren't always talked about. Yeah, we were you know bringing in a lot of guests that has died down significantly in part to do with COVID. So. You know, on, on our horizon, we'll, we will get back to at some point, we hope, having guests on again. Mm-hmm. And I think that will add a lot of value to your listening experience. But um, so we're, you know, we're, we're persisting with the podcast through through COVID and, and continuing to try to think about things that are relevant, um, uh, both in the immediate, but also in the long term. And so um, we... If you listened to us last week, we were talking about grants. There's going to be a multi-part series on that because we think it's deeply practical and important. And we're mm-hmm. we're you know we're going through the process right now of some grant applications. And so I I hope that we always yeah have some <laughs> some interesting or some good news to bring back. We'll tell you whatever we we get from the battlefield of grant writing and you know hoping. Um, yeah, hopefully it's more than just scars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, but also we want to like inter intersperse those. And so we, uh, somebody, somebody brought up that we're going to have one as a guest, um, was talking about space in a Facebook post. And so, uh, super smart artists that we'll have on soon, uh, next month. I'm excited about, um, I always in my classes talk about space, uh, space, light and form. Um, and so I, I was thinking a lot about, uh, space and then talking with Gareth and, and then thinking about design space and, Headspace and studio space, gallery space. Space is, is really, it's got many applications at many points of entry. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a worthwhile discussion, um, especially when we're like a lot of us have been confined to our spaces. Yeah. And um, and so you think about depicting space, imaginary space. I don't know. I just think that there's a, it, it's worth kind of talking about um, and kicking around loosely. So we're going to, we're going to do a meandering bounce around talk about space kind of muse on the importance of space mm-hmm. um and uh so yeah so so what, I, when i think about space i think about star trek what do you think about gareth oh man uh, i mean that's where i went because as soon as you said space i said the final frontier in my head yeah so um yeah it kind of rocks that way but you know even as you're talking i'm thinking back and i'm trying to trying to rack my brain a little bit with the first um with the first design courses i took and the way that space was uh, oddly not talked about directly. Huh. Like, I mean, it, it was a part of everything. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you hear the analogy of like it, it, the water you're swimming in is a fish, right? So space was kind of that. Um, but but it's almost like, uh, you know, space was there and we'll be really assumptive about it um, because it facilitates everything we do. Um, but let's talk about the things we do and not really focus too much on space. So I think I got both those competing things going on. Like, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, they would always have uh, Star Trek two episodes on, right? As my mom was like making lunch or something as a kid. So Star Trek sticks in my mind with space. Um, But then the other thing is, uh, 
it feels like another one of those topics that didn't get as didn't didn't get discussed as much as maybe I would have liked it to yeah. in school. So I've had to kind of go back and think about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, it's so yeah. I think to your point, it's it's heavily assumed, mm-hmm. and I think that's the. I think if anything, like that's one thing that maybe our podcast has kind of shaped out to be is we've tended to ebb towards the assumed things that maybe mm-hmm. aren't, and therefore they're not talked about, oh, and. Yeah. Um, they're not always the most sexy topics. Um, they're not always the, the fast track to success topics, you know. Yeah. Um, but, they're, you know, if you're an artist, I mean, you're, you're typically dealing with space, the storage space. Like, yeah. if you think about it, right? Like All kinds of space. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I guess this was on my mind because I was talking with my students and I was summarizing to them um, kind of what we've been doing up at this point in my drawing class, my foundation drawing class. I teach three sections. And uh, we had been learning things like how do you how do you build in layers from general to specific? Mm. Um, so how do you build up a drawing yeah. um, from a very generalized state into a very particular expression, mm-hmm. which is a process based understanding. It's not a all at once you know understanding. And then getting to that generalized um, approach, uh, we we prioritized uh, the way light reveals space and space affords form mm-hmm. to like an opportunity to exist, kind of a Baroque understanding of, of light organizing the, the picture plane. Uh, forms are established, whether it's the still life, the figure, the mm-hmm. imagined thing. And so, you know, the, the idea that in a first order kind of way, like if there's real space, then there's real opportunity for us to exist within that space. Mm-hmm. And that's just the start, you know, like then it's like the way in which embodied vehicles, i.e. people, you know, creatures or whatever, uh, have the experience of um, living a story, telling a story, um, meditating, focusing, perceiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything sort of flows from that. If there's no space, there's no consciousness. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, for us, we're not able to be uh, consciously aware. And so, um, you know, in the most broad sense, space affords everything else its opportunity to happen. You know, so like yeah. when artists deal with space within the pictorial space, they're creating a situation that can happen. I don't mean just like it doesn't have to be naturalistic, mm-hmm. but I am yeah. saying like um, we we as much as we we do we don't process in an instant no not not at all i mean it it unfolds right and i think you know as you're talking about the way that you you teach the concept of building a drawing like that's the same way i've taught um like page layout and design Mm -hmm. is very much building it right we feel like you know why don't these things work um well because there's there's almost a three-dimensionality to creating the flat space Mm -hmm. right there's a and that's what that layering is like why is this uninteresting why does it not have any dynamism to it why is it you know problematic why do we get bored of this book after five pages even though i like the content yeah like those questions are answered in the fact that like well well, space has not been properly you haven't been tuned into it properly as as the maker of that space as the curator of the interior. Um, and I think some of it is not understanding the terrain, yep. not understanding how, how, how it actually works. Um, and the fact that there is a huge, huge translation that occurs from our physical embodied space that we are in and operate in and how we have an adeptness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a translation from that experience as humans to the thing on the, on the panel, on the canvas, on the dais, on the whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a topic that, you know, the, the more you talk about it, the, the more you can start to see how much it undergirds um, a lot of the foundational ideas that we have about making, but also how maybe our limited knowledge of it possibly could provide some hindrances to our actual ability to make. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You, uh, you know, you always come in contact with, you know, for us, it may be students, for you, it may be, you know, people you work with or clients you've had or whatever else. But you come in contact with folks who, you know, they talk about their personal style and you're like, no, it's just a repetition, mm-hmm. right? It's a repetition of the same, the same things, yeah. which uh, sometimes can be in that same space. I think where it's like, oh, you, you feel comfortable within the space of whatever you're creating in a certain way. So you yeah. call it style yeah, or aesthetic preference or choice yeah. or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it actually may just be, uh, uh, you know, skills that haven't been fully developed. Right. You know, yeah, it could actually be out of comfortableness within that space. Right. Because you're not assessing the 
the space that grounds the context mm-hmm. and the way space and context are, um, you know, uh, you know, like, like for instance, Shaka art space was a civil war hospital. Yeah. The context for the same space was the largely the same space was civil war hospital, you know, mm-hmm. which is incredible thought. Yeah. And now it's an art gallery. So the mm-hmm. context changed. The space hasn't that much, right. not that much. And so, um, the space affords a multitude of opportunities and then it's the way we, we grab hold of that space. And so when you think about like Shaco art space, for instance, um, it's a pretty large space. So we're able to curate exhibitions for artists in ways that some galleries, maybe, you know, every gallery is constrained to the square footage mm-hmm. and in that square footage, a certain, for lack of a better way of saying it, sender receiver transactionable encounter with the nature of whatever work is being shown is set and there's a range of plausibility within that set mm-hmm. that setting, right? And so in our in our gallery, you you have the chance to be 60, 70 feet away from one of your paintings when you turn the corner. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. I, I don't know. I haven't walked it off, but decent amount of space, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. so you're able to really, really see things at multiple distances and vantage points. And what that does is that automatically attunes the mind and the body to it has the potential to do that. Uh, the mind and the body to the the particular work, right? Mm-hmm. And in those uh, distances, acclimation happens. Um, you're not as hurried. Uh, you're able to kind of flow and linger. Those become optimal experiences for better relating or corresponding with the work. Mm-hmm. And in that, then, there's a greater possibility of a transaction of meaning to occur or a, a enriching experience for the viewer, which would then be enriching for the artist who has made this work in, in order for it to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then, then you're getting in. So like, that's just really important. I mean, there's just a lot to say about that. Yeah. Um, and then you're getting into the kind of work you make. What kind of space are you providing within the context of your work? Mm-hmm. What kind of work is it? And um, to discount space is to neglect what a human is. So to not think about it is to not think about your audience. Um, not enough because we, 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 we have to have, let me put it this way. If there's, so here's the, here's the idea. Time in one sense is, uh, the phenomena or experience of being conscious, being an object and subject to your own consciousness. Yeah and being able to move in the midst of a space, you know, from point A to point B or any number of directions while being consciously aware of it, which means you're dealing with distance. And in that you have the, the almost accidental phenomena that is time. Mm-hmm. And then we measure it. So, and then, and then you get into the quality of your state of being as you move consciously through space. Mm-hmm. So when I'm depressed, like we've talked about before, when I'm depressed, time goes very slowly. Yeah. Interestingly enough, oftentimes when I'm depressed, I don't move as much. Mm-hmm. I stay located to one space, which really hunkers me down into the state, that state of being. I'm in bed. You know, this is me talking personally. Like these are my struggles is I, I don't tend to go for a walk when I'm depressed mm-hmm. personally. I don't tend to do much moving. Um, and then the reverse, when you're having a great time, it could be could be just in one location, but it's just to say, like, um, the quality of your being, uh, you know, is enlarged to where time goes quickly. And so yeah. there's a precedence for the importance of space and how it activates or situates us uh, in our, our state of being, our state of mind, the quality experiences we have, how that actually enriches or orients us towards you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, truer things, mm-hmm. uh, the things that are worth uh, greater consideration. Um, uh, if, if we're oriented towards things that are worthy of greater consideration, then we have to be oriented in such a way that we're willing to be changed mm-hmm. as a result of the greater consideration. Like we may have to turn from things we, we prioritize and turn to new things. Um, and so this is all a way of talking about what we think art does on some level. You know, we think that it, people will say things like art can change the world. Yes and no in my mind, you know, yes and no. It, it may not be able to deal with the depths of our, our hearts, but it does, it can move us into states of being mm-hmm. that are more inclined to 
what might be mo- what might be most true that we might need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way you get there is like journey, moving in a direction, possibly having a story like framework for understanding what you're undergoing. Yeah. You know, like we're talking about this project we're doing, potentially doing, it's on the table with the children's hospital in Richmond. And, and if you're, you know, like, like my son, if you've had to go through any kind of treatment, there is a sequence that you move through and mm-hmm. you can move through it coldly or you can move through it with uh, an enriched view mm-hmm. of what's transpiring and story can help facilitate the experience of moving through space while undergoing treatment. Right. Yeah. So uh, the end goal is the same, uh, making well the child, but the possible experiences in contrast to each other can mean uh, various levels of success in terms of the state of mind and the well-being of the kid as they're yeah. being treated. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, definitely. Because as you're saying that, the, the thing I'm thinking about is, um, you know, if, if I go to the art museum, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's, you know, with you or with one of my kids and we are experiencing the art museum and we're looking at stuff, we're talking about paintings and sculpture, um, there's really two ways that we can begin to enter into the work, right? You've got uh, the phenomenological Mm-hmm. And you've got the narrative, yep. Right. So, so when when I start from a gut reaction of discussing the art that I see in front of me, I can either talk about what it is doing within the prescribed space mm-hmm. that it is a part of, mm-hmm. and that is entering in the space I'm a part of. Right. So I can talk about the phenomenological part of it, mm-hmm. or like my my daughter tends to do, she'll talk about the narrative within the piece. Right. What's happening? Yeah. What's going on? What's the story? How is that space being translated mm-hmm. into action, mm-hmm. even as a still object? That's right. How is uh, how is time actually entering into it? Um, so whether it's through the perception of yep. what those things are doing visually, or it's the perception of what the story is doing, it seems like the space within the piece of art is always dictating like how we receive it, mm-hmm. right? It's it and it is that that foundation, mm-hmm. um, and that's just something that just popped in my head. I was like, yeah, the, the two ways that I do this are yeah, what we've talked about so yep. far. Yeah, the phenomenological yeah, yeah, yeah. and the narrative, right? Right, um, and that's you know, because coming from design, like we don't we don't have a huge amount of discussion when we talk about the phenomenological mm-hmm. on, on you know for a book. You know, maybe you know we're getting into more stuff with like UX and stuff like that in terms of yeah, web yeah, design yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. That's but right. it's Generally you know, speaking, we though. generally are not heavily in the camp of phenomenological issues yep. with the work we make. Yep. It is about the narrative. Yep. So when we talk about things like typographic hierarchy, it really is how do we maintain the narrative and the cohesiveness of communication? Yeah. Uh, when we talk about, you know, uh, color systems or, you know, how we use um, icons to illustrate points. And stuff, it, it's very much a narrative. Mm-hmm. It's all a narrative that all is dependent on space, mm-hmm. where it's placed in space, yep. how it is put there, what sort of emphasis within that space we have. Um, because, you know, within painting and design, we would not have different elements of art but we would have a very different list of which ones had the most importance. Yeah, how, or how, yeah, how we would at that, it, we, the, we would, yeah, we would, the list may function differently in, in terms of order or priority. Yeah. And also, ex- especially when it comes to medium and form. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. So, yeah, so when you get into medium and form, th- those things are going to inform the organization of the elements, which has a contingent relationship to our intention. Yeah. So then you're, you know, so you're, you're working out of these similar ingredients, but you're cooking them towards, you know, plausibly different ends for different reasons. Yeah. Cause I mean like yeah. movement, color, contrast, those yeah. are going to be heavy elements yeah. for anything that I do within design. Um, and to be completely honest, I'd be hard pressed to give you a more exhaustive list. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how that would like, that wouldn't necessarily be the list that you would Put forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, you know, or it's like, uh, and so yeah. So you get into uh, tertiary, um, kind of iterative expressions that are a step away from what's most essential, yeah. at least in terms of the way they're perceived or they seem. But underneath, the a lot of the ingredients are very similar, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a. It's a I don't want to say it's a facade, but it, it's a it's a. Um, a tweaking of that mm-hmm. and what that affords the viewer is um, like an, a plausible escape from 
those primary elements yeah. and therefore the greater likelihood that what is seen is taken at face value as being enlarged and distinct from those. So like as a viewer, you can look at something and not be thinking about the most primary elements and, and therefore, uh, because that's not there as a consideration, what is there becomes enlarged to our eye. Mm-hmm. And then we take it in with greater um, uh, impact, if you will. Or, and that, that's just a fine, a fine fact. It, doesn't, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like, so like, what's interesting to me, when you were talking about the uh, phenomenological, like, um, I had watched a interview with Kobe Bryant before he passed away. Like mm-hmm. I just watched it like a month before. And um, he was talking about this whole, I mentioned this in the past, but he's talking about these books that he was creating. And, you know, he like, he was like adamant that the books had to be activated in a tactile way, in a phenomenological way. Mm-hmm. And so some of the books actually were made to feel like basketball. Some of them were made to feel, and he was, and he was messing with textures and, and like realigning them with a new form. And so, I mean, and so the way he was talking about it, was like, this, you know, this guy didn't go to art school, he didn't go to college, mm-hmm. but he's, um, you know, he was, he was a sharp dude. And so he's talking about this and he had a vision, man. Like he had a reason for it. And it was like refreshing to hear someone maintain the values you're talking about, mm-hmm. but see an opportunity to infuse them with greater immersive yeah. in our, in this world, potential. And I think that's an, an opportunity space for us is, um, uh, the reason why I think part of this discussion is important is I'm finding a lot of people are not connecting how important this space is like, IE the earth we live in Mm -hmm. and we know it politically. We'll say things, you know, we'll, we'll say things about caring for, uh, mother nature or, you know, we need to save the earth. Right. Mm -hmm. But then at another level, we miss the importance of space and form and light and matter and texture and how these actually kind of go together mm-hmm. in a way that's largely ordered. Yeah. So I was saying before, it's like inductive, this is tangential, but it's like inductive reasoning. Every time you appeal to the uniform, every, every time you take a breath, every time you take a step, every time you think, every time you refer to anything, including referring to referring to anything, you're appealing inductively to uniformity in nature or uniformity in your common experience, which means the world is grossly consistent, mm-hmm. not chaotic. Yeah. Otherwise, you, wouldn't be, you would not know intuitively that you can appeal to that consistency in order to make a present tense or future uh, uh, statement or action. So every time you determine to act, it's predicated on the uh, uniformity of nature of your experience. And so um, when you miss that, you're always reinventing the wheel conceptually. And oftentimes a lot of those artistic expressions become flattened and stunted to uh, what we would call, um, or what I would, I would say are like impotent expressions that then be, are, are um, how do you say it, compensated for through intellectualizing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, lack yeah. Of, the lack of reality in the work is compensated through, for through theorizing. No, definitely. Because it doesn't resonate. Uh, so um, a few weeks ago, I was uh, with a couple other folks critiquing some uh, digital projects. Um, and, you know, we were going through a lot of these sort of uh, apps that people were were mocking up and, and whatnot. And, you know, critiquing the design, but also the functionality and a lot of other things about it. Um, and one of the other people that was critiquing said something that, like, uh, I had to... It was It was tough because, like, if... When I'm, if you were to say something to me that was super off, I would have a hard time like controlling that I would look taken aback by that. Yeah, that's totally you. Um, like I have a very hard time like checking the expressions, and not that I would just like blatantly give you a, like a, that stupid look, but you would you would have no doubt that I was confused by what you said. Yeah, that's very true. So, um, Gareth makes great faces. Great faces. Um, he makes the who farted face. <laughs> well, that was definitely what happened uh, in this because something was said that I, I understood where it was coming from, but it, I think it completely goes to what you're saying because um, they said, you know, what I really like is that the elements on this project uh, are going outside of the screen, mm-hmm. that they're extending off of the edge of it. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's a fantastic thing. And and it struck me as odd because I was like, but that's the 
world like that you know like yeah. there was a there was a an intellectualization of it mm -hmm. where i was like this shouldn't be intellectualized because yeah. this is normal yeah you know like um yeah, it and is, uh, it is by being by departing, most things go beyond our space. That's right, and and also by appealing to the idea of divergence, it's this it's this like fatal flaw of divergence is always better than than what right. is constant. And I, I think those are dichotomized and pitted against each other. And then you have these stunted. Yeah, like I mean, like the 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 leftovers in my fridge. Yeah, that are starting to spoil. Yeah, are different than the other food, but that doesn't mean I should focus on that more than just chucking it out. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, if you've gone to a fantastic restaurant and had like a top cut of meat, you can notice the difference mm -hmm. from the other stuff you've eaten in the past. Which is an appeal so to, to uniformity. where we are on that. Right. So right. it's more nuance. Yep. It's not just, oh, different, better. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very much got to be like, okay, different, noticed. Yeah. Now examine, understand, push into, critique. Right. Um, so that we can understand, like, is this on different a difference for a purpose or a mm -hmm. reason, or is it? Oh, it's just different because it's different. I, yeah. I've seen space utilized in this way a lot, so I will do it this way, just for the sake of being different. Yeah. Um, not not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. It's completely fine. Yeah. We just have to understand what's going on. Yeah. Within that space. So so I would say so. Here's the thing for me. It's like you can you have your allegorical, you have your symbolic, mm -hmm. um, you have your varied ways let's just, just me talking as a painter for a second you have your varied ways that you can organize information mm -hmm. and i think you would agree with that there's various ways to organize right. uh information um and then but but here's the thing i say there's various ways of organizing information but i'm still contending largely speaking with a shaped structure whether it's a, a rectangle or a square or yes. an organic shape that is as dictating or has a uh, set of constraints I can't get around. Mm -hmm. And so even if I paint a mural on the wall and then hang a painting on top of that, I'm still dealing with a larger rectangle somewhere in my, my field of vision, mm -hmm. i.e. the wall or, you know, for you. So you're dealing with constraints when it comes to type. Yep. So there's various things you can do, but you're still dealing with constraints. You can't get away from it. Um, and so where am I heading with this? Uh, I think we have gotten so far into... This is this is this is just my opinion, but I think that there's a great level of assumption about painting, even. Oh yeah, where we just assume flatness. And I make flat paintings, so like that actually actually show that flatness is hard to do mm -hmm. because uh, most everything resists being flat and moves into a kind of space. Mm -hmm. So that that's that is a very particularized interest of mine. The assumed kind of flatness, the neglect of space, the neglect of form, and the neglect of light, uh, which makes me sound like I'm wanting to go back to a long time ago. But um, the neglect of that in our thinking about how we communicate with art um, is rendering us a lack of space for the kind of transformation or the kind of communication that art can bring to us. Mm -hmm. So we're, 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 we're miss, we're misassessing, misassessing in some ways our create the creative medium of, of like say painting, let's say, and we're just doggedly assuming this kind of like, it's almost sometimes like a dead flat space, like this, like this, uh, preference for perceived difference, which typically means disunity or mm -hmm. some kind of rogue expression, that we're hunting for, um, that oftentimes lands in greater, in like greater incoherence. Yeah. And then, and then there's no order to it. There's no, um, and order always sounds like so rigid, so wooden, but, um, so it sounds like I'm, you know, being a total jerk here, but, um, then we have this mystical expectation we're left with. I hope this means something. And then it's like, it's like an oracle, like, the artist makes the work and then looks at the audience as oracles for deciphering the work that they made so that they can be told something about themselves. So it's like the art becomes a crystal ball for the artist that has to be, uh, you have to have a medium for, which actually is your, your audience, your critiquer, your curator, the person off the street. Tell me what you see. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and so it's, a, it's like because there's actually like a neglect for the space you're creating. There's a there, therefore there's a neglect for the effects of that space and what it can do for you or for someone else and yeah. you're leaving it up up for grabs and in in the neglect of that space you're smuggling in 
intuitive assumptions about what makes something good. And so then you're making things go off the page arbitrarily without really thinking about why that matters. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it, it just keeps devolving back into these flat spaces. And I bring this up because there's definitely like a resurgence in uh, figurative painting of certain kinds. But then there's been people that have been painting figure and never stopped. Like there's, there's like atelier schools of learning where they're masterful at understanding form, light and space. And I don't I don't paint in a classical, realistic way. But it's like it's a weird elitism to neglect the persistent heritage of people that have been doing this well. Mm hmm. And then act like you're reinventing the wheel by making these like distorted flat figurative paintings out of a, like a late modern vernacular that you don't even acknowledge as such. Mm-hmm. And so you're living in the moment pretending you're doing something new. Yeah, yeah. What, what I'm getting at is there's greater demands on us and we're sidestepping those demands by neglecting the most primary, by neglecting the space, by neglecting what a human is and how, how it is that meeting transfers or transacts how we're shaped how we're formed and by neglecting that we're actually making in some ways regressive work yeah and, and you know and, and what's funny is that the what you're talking about like I, I can see that definitely like the, the case is made for me um, in terms of my ability to see that happening in art but we would not um, we would not uh, what's the best way to put this um, we would not dare to do that within our home Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, uh, your home, my home, somebody else's home, they're, they're going to look different. Um, but they are towards some sort of order and form. Yeah. You know, and, and a large part of it, is it aesthetic preference? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Are there constraints within the space of what I can or can't put in there? Are there constraints within my budget of what I can or can't put in there? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Are, there, are there tolerances that are preferable as far as... Um Um, are there tolerances for, um, uh, preferable messes? Right. And then also, uh, you know, sort of thing, like if something were in that space that actually was detrimental to what I wanted to occur, mm-hmm. would I leave it in that space? Yeah. So you got a kid and everybody, the, the first conversation that anybody has with you, you have a kid the first time they're like, Oh, what are you doing for baby proofing? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why? Why my space is what it is. Like, can't you just get what you need out of it? Yeah. Well, well, no. There's something that needs to take place. So there's safety. So people do that differently. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's not a there's not a monolithic. You must do it That's this right. way. There's not a monolithic look, but there are the the essentials like that. You're, you know, some people will leave a mess in the, in their house for yep. weeks. Some people can't handle it for two seconds. Mm-hmm. Like that's a range. That's diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the constancy is the of what you're saying and what you're making me think about is. Um, I've talked about art as being hospitality. I've given like lectures on this yeah. and, and you, you might say, is this your work? Ho- <laughs> this is, this sounds so wholesome and bad, but it's like, <laughs> is it hospitable, hospitable? Is it habitable? Even as a fictitious world, is it habitable? Well, and the thing is, is like my, my home can be hospitable and it can still allow for you to come in that space and us to have an argument. Right. It doesn't have to be hospitable. So you come in and get the saccharine, sweet, nasty, not real, like false facade. Like, and I think that's the, the, the assumption is that if our work is hospitable, we're just asking, are you allowing people to come into that space? Are you creating a space where there is even the possibility that's for right. a person to enter it? That's exactly as right. A, as being pissed off or happy yeah. or nostalgic and sentimental, whatever yeah. the range or is. Or human. So this is yeah. where I'm getting back to is like, are we, are we, um, this is why I said in, I think two episodes ago, I said that, uh, there's that which works to the coming together. Mm-hmm. And there's that which is that works towards the dehumanizing or the unraveling. Yeah, and the coming together is a fullness, right? A fullness. And yeah. that's the thing I would just yeah. really want to just bang this point home is like if I'm fighting with you, we're coming together. Yeah. If we're hanging out having a beer with some burgers on the grill, we're coming together. Right. 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 Um, so we can't limit it to coming together is only a positivistic, idealistic, that's right. yeah, it's not hallmark. We're not vision. talking about utopia hallmark. We're talking about if there's deep, deep societal fractures, does the work sentimentally uh, depict coming together without yeah. actually affecting coming together? This is what I mean when I say I'm, 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 I'm demanding more of what we do. Right. Including ourselves, like, which means that a lot of stuff that we're striving for has not reached the mark. Yeah. Like I, and therefore it's worthy of critique because the orientation is towards the coming together. But it's like when we neglect the most fundamental aspects of our existence, like how important light is, 
Mm-hmm. Like you need sunshine to not actually be depressed. Yeah. And lack of it, actually, you die. In lack of it, you die. And so then when we only depict dark realities, when we uh, just drink down like the person who, you know, and all kindness, like if you only drink down horror, horror mm-hmm. as a depiction, and then you wonder why you're depressed. Yeah. Or even the flip of that, right? Yeah. If all you do is the sunshine suite. Yes. And you realize you diabetes, that you're not dude. really like yes. connecting with people. Yeah. If all you're doing is, is kitty cats and rainbows and um, yeah. sunshine and Skittles and candy. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it, it actually uh, turns, turns North on you as well. Like, like um, we call it sentimental. You're neglecting a fullness yeah. that is broken and incomplete and needs to be remade or renewed or worked out. That and so, also has beautiful, fantastic, yeah. amazing parts. Confounding, yeah. perplexing, amazing parts in the midst of the brokenness. And it's it's the kind of thing that requires cultural stewards. It's the kind of thing that requires um, culture care. Uh, uh, caring enough about these things at the most fundamental level, which requires you to be very humble Mm -hmm. because uh, it means that you may not uh, be as fancy and as famous as you may wish for. Um, And like, I just rewatched that old, the the old Pollock movie with um, Ed Harris. And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, I saw it through, you know, me, Laura and I used to watch when we were first dating like 18 years ago. Yeah. So it's like I saw it through entirely different eyes. And I was like, whoa. Go back and watch that. Yeah, again. it's like it's sadder than I ever remembered it being. Yeah. Because at the time I had a more romantic view of being a painter. And and I saw Pollock as much more of a jerk than I ever could have admitted the first time around. And you're like, this guy is neat. This guy needed uh, some people to actually help him just get his life together and not just gas up. How, how much of a genius he was. Yeah. I mean, he's a great painter, but like, like it's just interesting. It's like, um, at what cost, you know what I mean? Uh, at what cost, like at what cost are you pursuing notoriety and fame? Mm-hmm. And then like, and then what? Yeah. <laughs> right. So like, then what, uh, the other way is like, I do things, they matter. I want to be known. I want my work to be collected because I believe that the value that the work brings to people should be shared. It's like, I cook these meals that are healing, let's say. Let's just say someone's like, hey, this shake is very good for your body. Gosh, I want people to have this because it helps with liver health. Like yeah. a, a more uh, vitamin-like view of art means it has a perspective and a role to play. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if, we're, if we're in risk of becoming so digitized that we're so disembodied that we've lost a sense of ourselves, a designer saying, I want to bring a little more tactile phenomenology into book design uh-huh. is a worthy corrective. It's not an either or dilemma. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, you know, what was it the charioteer and is it Plato with the, the charioteer flying the sky, the two horses and, and one wants to go high, one wants to go low and the charioteer mm-hmm. has to constantly yeah. control them. It's, it's the metaphor, if you will. I'm, I don't ascribe to that metaphor per se, but at, at a minimum it's helpful to think about. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, trying to constantly work to bring and maintain a fullness or usher a fullness, which means you're not trying to like land in ditches. But in a certain season, you may look extreme to the other side because the other side is extreme. Yeah. So it's just maybe what this this talk is sort of like ebbing at is like, I'm just appealing to the fact that there is a gross neglect to understand that which a lot of people do understand, but are discounted for understanding as being passe or or past the point. And it's like, um, in your pursuit of fame, you're you're remaking the wheel constantly instead of acknowledging uh, tradition and history mm-hmm. and how much that richness, that grammar, if you will, can inform your uh, contemporary sensibilities in such a way that you may actually make enduring work in the future that maybe even gets you the kind of notoriety you want. Yeah. But just by acting like it all didn't exist, hitting a reset button and neglecting it, and then and then intellectualizing it past the point of its resonance. And then wanting someone else to give you insights into your own work, it's it's a strange mix, man. And it, and it's like um, I've just seen it enough that where I'm like, it's not satisfying. That's why so many people quit art when they leave college, because yep. it doesn't satisfy. And of course, it doesn't because we're neglecting the kind of beings that we are mm-hmm. for a, a kind of uh, um, the residue of avant gardeism. Yeah, we don't even call it that anymore. But it's just like the residue of of that and so it makes art uh it weakens the plausibility of art 
in the hands of those that purport to be artists who then have the authority to dictate what we must do. And it becomes self-fulfilling towards ends that are um, dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. If you follow the logic, if you go back and like replay what I just said, you're going to like, that's a, what did you mean by that moment? But like, um, <laughs> take note of you. Yeah. Take note of that. Um, and I, I, I feel the urgency for something more, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, I felt it for years, but, um, even this year, mm-hmm. it's like, there's just things where you're like, we, we, we have to do better, which means we have to be humbler. We have to do better by being humbler, by slowing down and knowing more to possibly do less in the way that we think we should. Mm-hmm. Because to know more and to slow down means you're not going to ha- have as wide of an impact as you think you can have. Yeah. Chances are you're probably not going to have that wide of an impact anyways. But you can have a significant and meaningful impact that is more multiplicitous because it promotes more people doing something similar or along similar lines. And that's the way you reach a larger number with the, the scope of your work. Yeah. And it's a, you know, we, we may have mentioned this in an earlier episode. I was on a conversation with a friend um, and he was writing something one day and he talked about how difficult it was. Um, he was like, you know, why, why is writing so hard? And I said, well, I think largely it comes down to the fact that we are, uh, we are lazy people. Yeah. And how about, we, how about this? It's hard because you expected it to be easy. Well, there's that. And yeah. that's what I mean by lazy, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like, we're, we're, we're lazy people. Um, generally. Yep. Um, and this was not a critique of him. It was just pretty much just yeah, general, us, me. you know, yeah. it, it, we're lazy people, but also we think that we can put more into something in a short time than we can. Like when That's we've right. been duped with space and time and the way we've experienced within our short lifespans to kind of think that space can be impregnated in such a short period of time. Yeah. Because we've come across things that feel like that. Because mm-hmm. our experience of the final product can happen quickly and right. feel very full, we feel like we should be able to create in the same way that we consume. And that is not a helpful way to look at things. Because, yes. yeah, and you just take whatever cliche you want to have from Reader's Digest, you know, Da Vinci painted Mona Lisa for decades, mm-hmm. right? And it's this tiny little thing in a glass box over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at it and you're like, wow, there's so much artistry in that. There's so much skill yep. in that. And I've just taken my little postcard photo that's garbage and worse than what's in the gift shop. Yep. And in 15 seconds, I've seen it and I've just, oh yep. my gosh, so much fullness. I've flattened it into a pictorial space that, yeah. that is that's great, but I've, I'm, I'm over-realizing a limited space so that I can feel large. Yeah. I can maintain, maintain my enlarged sense of myself instead of actually risking the other. Right. Right. And so, you know, we, we have to look at these things and say, um, you know, it, it takes, it is so much longer to build the house than it takes to buy the house or move in. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, you know, so much longer to build the bridge than to drive over it. It is, you know, go on and on and on with these things about the amount of work that goes into it. The, the, the amount of time and consideration and intention that goes into building a space that can be disregarded. Yeah. Yeah. Like if something as, you know, you don't even care about like the footing of your house, if that takes a few weeks to build and you've never thought about it and we're just thinking that things are going to pop up in an instant. Right. Because you saw a YouTube video that told you and Home Depot told you you could do it fast and you've been told by, you know, uh, inspiring memes and posters in your classroom. You can do it. You can do whatever you want. It's like uh, we've been sold a fake bill. Or was it a <laughs> fake? Good? What's the, what's the phrase? I'm forgetting the the manner of speech. Um, a fake bill of goods. I can't remember what it, yeah, what it yeah. is. But we but we've been sold a lie essentially. Like we've been uh, capitulated a lazy vision of life and a lazy vision of anthropology that actually does leave us confused. Yeah. And, and here's the, here's the thing, like before you, you go off and just zone out because you're like, Hey, listen to the gr- grumpy dudes over here talking about this. Like just think of the fact that like that's super free. Yeah. It means you don't have to finish that thing today. That's right. And it means you don't have to also start the new one tomorrow. That's what, you yeah, actually that's can exactly take it. a space where you sit back and go, you know what? Adding noise to a noisy room doesn't help. Maybe I need to add a little quiet. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. not to push back from making, but it's to slow down and be like, what? What is this about? Yeah. What am I understanding? Right. What am I wanting to do? How yeah. should this live? Yeah. I'm 
I, I have the responsibility of making an object that then has to exist with other people. Yeah, here's the thing. If you want someone to know the form of, of your making, and I know that there'll be people that take issue with my choice word of form, mm-hmm. but you can't get around it. You can say anti-form, which is still a form. You can't. It's yeah. law, law of non-contradiction. You can play semantic games all you want. But the fact is that form exists in various forms. The sky has a form to it. Mm-hmm. it, it you can't get around it. So, I mean, I, I love to have that argument. Um and it's been had and it will be had and, and so on. So I'm putting my cards on the table, but I am saying like, if you don't care to know the form of your making, don't expect more from an audience when you've given their work less. Uh-huh. And if you neglect to understand some of the most basic ways in which we perceive reality, then you're missing the main ways in which other people will actually effectively perceive your work like if you don't take the time to understand the way light works or form works in space even just to understand it to understand how to make it less or flat or whatever yeah then you're you're beholden to a lot of internal whims and um kind of like let's just put it this way there's a lot of bad art on on instagram there's a lot of bad work that people are making where they're just copying each other in a digital space Mm -hmm. and it's sad because you're putting in the effort you might as well learn more about what you're trying to do because you may actually do something with the work other than just get likes, yeah, in or you know sales or uh, which I'm not opposed to likes or sales. I'm just saying like, why not have more? Like, why not let it do more? Why not if you're going to take up space? Why not take it up in a way that's even more meaningful? Why not accept that you don't know it all and and slow down and actually and actually spend some more time? And um, this is a struggle to communicate, you know, as a professor at university, like like. Um, people are quick to bypass that and go to idea. And I just, you know, I'll just leave you with this, like, uh, conceptualism and ideas is the Academy of the 21st century. And that, yeah, it's the Academy of the 21st century and painting was the Academy of the 20th century and a little bit in the 21st century. And so then the conceptualists would always say, well, that's just academic painting at this point. Well, uh, conceptualism is academic thinking at this point. That means it's been fully digested and it's repeatable, it's rehearsable, and which means it's not cutting edge and it's not leading the charge any longer. So when we preface things that way, we ruin a good thing. Mm -hmm. So you ruin conceptualism by normalizing it into an academic stance that you then pretend is not academic. So you can see in academia right now in the arts a restlessness because we know that it's jargon at this point. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's jargony because it's just iterative. It's like endlessly making ab- abex expressionist paintings without acknowledging what you're doing as being from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with abex painting. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some expressionist tendencies on purpose, though, yeah. in my work. But what I'm saying to you is when you got the abex teacher teaching, teaching abex painting as if it's still 1950 and they don't acknowledge it, that's strange. Mm-hmm. And that's happening with conceptualism. Yeah, it's very it's 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 like and and they're not aware or they're not seeing it they're not acknowledging it yet because now it's their personal camp and they need to fend for themselves and then students are inoculated with something that actually um, is not most eminently relevant in that way. Yeah, it's it's important to know, but not in that way. And so um, that also means because that's happening, you already aren't realizing how blindsided you are by industry because you're going to see industry makers. And tech tech makers, uh, as movie theaters go away and film changes, and it becomes, I promise you, virtual storytelling in your home, mm-hmm. and um, in VR experiences, mm-hmm. and that stuff is going to be bringing in the money, where they're activating your home space, mm-hmm. right? And you're over over here doing 1960s conceptualism in 2050 or 2025 or 2022 or right this second, you've missed the boat. And you've underprepared people for the future that's coming because you haven't stayed in this like humble space of developing. You've you've just dogmatized an area, excluded it from other other stuff, and thought that you were safe. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. so it's like neglecting the constancies and, and failing to know this stuff is a failure to equip yourself most robustly to constantly make and lead the charge in a way that enables you to work across mediums, that enables you to actually uh, work in ways that maybe aren't most relevant directly, but actually have an important role to play by not overstretching their importance, by living in the constraints of the importance. Like, it's important that people still press records. 
Yeah, it isn't as it isn't yeah. as important uh, to the record industry as as uh, likes on iTunes. Mm-hmm. But so if you try to argue for it in contrast to that, you lose that fight. But if you argue for it on the merits of what it does do, you win. And that's what artists fail to see, and that's what institutions fail to see. And the you know, so I mean, there's so much more, man. I I, I don't know. if We probably maybe have to cut it cut it shorter here because. Um, but I think there's more to go into with this. Yeah, I think but. there definitely is because I think you know what we've what we've done today is we've really, um, you know, charted out a little bit of terrain. We've we've kind of talked about some of the problems, the inconsistencies, uh, the difficulties, whatever you want to kind of, you know, however you want to talk about that. Um, but there's a lot with with space. There's a lot. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a big topic, right? I mean, yes. space and time. Oh my are gosh, like massive. Which hopefully you're getting just a taste of. Um, you know, as we move into it, I think a few of these things will kind of be, uh, you know, crystallized as like a central part yeah. of a specific episode um, because they're worth fleshing out. And they're worth fleshing out just for exactly what we're talking about here, which is it is good to consider these things as considerate makers. Yeah. Um, not that it changes what we do, that we now become some sort of like censored makers and we're making happy, fluffy clouds all the time. But that we consider it so that if we are trying to provoke, if we are trying to perplex, that we know we're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, that there is something powerful that can be kind of regained in the art we make mm-hmm. and not because we yell the loudest, yeah. but because there's something that we actually understand and we've uh, thought well about right. um, and considered. So I think, yeah, I think, you know, we'll be doing uh, a series of this, we'll, you know, you, there's the gallery space. There's the studio space. There's the digital space. There's the uh, uh, transactional space, mm-hmm. like you know, selling a work. Even there's the pictorial space. Like, and so um, you know, this will set up a, a rhythm of short episodes that kind of seek to unpack uh, and clarify the kind of larger kind of bounce around of this talk today. Yeah. And we'll have these sprinkled throughout the year. And, um, it's just a, a helpful way of, of walking us out as we kind of think about it as well. We're, you know, we're charting all kind of territory and trying to figure out how to stay afloat in the midst of COVID. So, um, sometimes it's important to go back to first things. Oh yeah. You know, so always good to consider the things you haven't considered in a while. Yep. All right. Well, as always, we love you guys. You're a fantastic audience. Uh, thanks for checking everything out. Um, always, as always also hit us up with any questions you have or comments. We're happy watch to the hear builder, yes. check out the builder on Vimeo. Yeah. Watch the documentary. Rent it's so the legit. documentary. It will, it will, it's the kind of thing you'll want to share with your uh, family and friends who don't understand what you do. Yes. It will help them helpful. understand. Yeah. So thank you all again and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Shaco art speak, a production of Shaco art space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.